In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. All right, mandatory minicamp is underway. All the faces are in Berea right now. Daryl, uh, how refreshing is that, and what does that mean? Uh, yeah, I mean, good to see everyone out there. Um, just a few guys uh, not doing much of any participating. Perry and Winfrey was inside the building on Tuesday. Uh, Anthony Walker, uh, Sione Takitaki, Dawson Deaton, they all worked on the side. Of course, they're all uh, recovering from injuries. But um, a couple of positive notes. Jakeem Grant uh, recovering from that ruptured Achilles that he suffered early in training camp last year. Uh, he was uh, back on the field, did some light work, including fielding a couple of punts. That's when the punts actually made it to him. Um, and uh, Wait, what does Bobby that mean, Daryl? Stop. Are the punters struggling already early out of the gate? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, you know, he's standing in one spot and the punts either 20 yards short or 20 yards, uh, 35 yards to the left or 35 yards to the right. So, um, and then uh, Amari Cooper, he's back. Got to see him on the field and uh, made a one-handed catch, caught a touchdown, uh, looked pretty good, said he uh, felt pretty good too. So uh, a lot of positive news coming out of 76 Lugrosa Boulevard. So, Daryl, let's go back to Amari Cooper for a second because if he looked good, that means the quarterback throwing him the ball probably looked pretty good too. Yeah, Deshaun Watson was uh, fantastic. I-, I would say probably the best that I've seen Deshaun throw uh, since he's really been here in a practice. He looked extremely sharp, seemed to have a lot of rhythm with his uh, his receivers. Uh, there was a seven-on-seven drill, Andy, it, toward the end of practice where he threw four touchdowns and five throws. Hmm. Uh, and the only throw that he didn't make, it was because uh, Greg Newsom got his hand on it and broke it up. Wow. I, I mean, it, it it was you know pretty uh, spectacular. Now he got got some help too. Uh, let's let's you know be fair about that. The receivers went out there and did their job and and, and caught the footballs. But um, you know, uh, I I I gotta say, like Donovan Peoples Jones, he made two plays in the back of the end zone where he caught the ball and he I mean he was on the back line and able to get the feet down. It, it was really really impressive. And, um, you know, Kevin Stefanski said after practice that, you know, th- those are, you know, pro plays um, and that's what pros do. But um, at the same time, like Donovan seems to always be where he's supposed to be on the field and and uh, to be in position to make plays. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun watching the, Deshaun throw the ball around the, the, the practice fields on Tuesday. How, I mean, did Donovan Peoples-Jones just stand out more or did, I mean, how did the, I mean, you just talked about Amari, but I'm just curious. Well, I mean, DPJ made two outstanding catches um, in the back of the end zone. I don't think it's that he stood out more. Uh, he certainly had a good day. I mean, Elijah Moore caught a couple of touchdowns. Uh, David Bell uh, grabbed one. Um, so it just, it was, it was balanced where everyone was making plays when they were given the opportunities to make those plays. And um, I had asked Kevin Stefanski after practice, if that's the best that he had seen Deshaun in a practice yet. And he just basically said, well, you know, in seven on seven guys are, 
you know, you're supposed to complete passes. Um, basically saying he did what he was supposed to do. My counter argument to that is Andy, I can't tell you the number of practices that I've watched where completing a pass in seven on seven felt like they were trying to turn water into wine. <laughs> right. Is, I, is that because though the quarterbacks have been so bad or because yes, the defense has just been the way quarterbacks better. here have sucked so bad over the years. Yes. I look, I mean, I remember, look, I've had training camps, right? Where they threw, they would throw a touchdown pass in training camp and it was the only touchdown pass. And that was like the lead note. They threw a touchdown pass in a training camp practice. Like that was like the lead note. That was the headline. Um, but look, I, I think we're starting to get a taste with Deshaun of, you know, what real NFL quarterback play is supposed to look like because we've just been deprived of it for so very long. And I don't know if that was Kevin Stefanski's way of, you know, saying that like, it, yeah, this is kind of how it's supposed to go guys. Don't like get googly eyed over, you know, some passes being completed in drills because you know, that's what we're supposed to be doing in these things. But um, yeah, not many, not many footballs uh, hit the turf on Tuesday. And, and so I, I'm just going to give Deshaun his due. Uh, th- that's just where I'm at. Like, I'm just going to give the guy his due because uh, again, I've just watched so many practices over the years where they've it's just it's looked like hot garbage offensively and a struggle to be able to complete uh, passes or score touchdowns uh, in a practice. So I'll, I'll, I'll give Deshaun his due. He he looked great, and um, you know Amari Cooper also kind of mentioned that um, he feels like Deshaun is getting that rhythm back too. And hmm. well, it, it certainly looked that way on the practice field uh, on Tuesday. That's for sure. Um, you know, what other things did we glance? I mean, it was nice to see everybody back, you know, pictures of Nick Chubb at, uh, at mandatory mini camp today. I mean, they looked whole today, right? I mean, that's really the biggest difference between OTAs and this, right? Yeah. And just, you know, the able to, uh, uh, do a little more as far as some of the drills go and, and things like that. But, um, I, I think that the Wednesday practice, Andy is going to be, the money practice, if you will. Cause like there were, there were some drills, like I saw the offense and the defense that were running independently. Like they were done in, I want to call it like half speed. Like they did a two minute drill on Tuesday. That was like a half speed, two minute drill. Like, like where Deshaun would, you know, do his drop back and you count one, two, three, four. And then he would, you know, softly throw the football to where it's supposed to go. Um, and then they'd hurry up, run to the line and, and run the next one and, and things like that. So it that was, uh, you know, something we've seen before. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you take this stuff with a grain of salt. It, it, nothing really matters until they they start playing games. But it does matter because they're working on new concepts on both sides of the football. And um, so it, it's. It's one of those things where you want to be fair. You want to give Deshaun his love for having a great day on the practice field. But at the same time, you also want to have some perspective about, you know, uh, them doing what they're supposed to do or looking the way that they're supposed to look or um, accomplishing what they set out to. Any scuttlebutt on uh, Hopkins, on DeAndre Hopkins today? Uh, Yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to happen still. I haven't changed my stance on that, but you know, Amari Cooper was asked about the, the, the prospects and he uh, of adding him and he's like, who wouldn't want to add him, you know? Um, 
he didn't seem to really care if it caught, if adding someone like Hopkins would cost him some catches or, 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 you know, some numbers as long as they win. Uh, and then he also basically said that they're, they're kind of different players, you know, the way Deandre uh, uses his body uh, to position himself, to make catches and things like that, a little different than how he goes about uh, doing things. Um, but my, my stance on this, it remains unchanged. I don't I, I don't foresee Hopkins signing anywhere like real fast. He's in no hurry to do a mini camp anywhere. Number one, number two, if the Browns get him, they're going to get him at their price. That's just how Andrew. What Barry do you think that him. would be? It sounds like he wants 15 million. Well, you know, which Andy is half of what to, he would have got if he didn't get cut, which is yeah, crazy. Well, too. I mean, he was scheduled to make around 19 or so with the Cardinals before he got cut. Uh, I'll say this. I'd like to win mega millions. Ah, believe me, this week I'm going to be buying some tickets to Mega Millions, and hopefully I'll win. But the reality <laughs> is I'm not going to win. So, But with it, all these other teams dropping out, Daryl, does, yeah, it, does but it, it increase? I mean, it makes the excitement around here get a little bit better mm-hmm. every time we hear a team seem to it seem to drop out. But I, Deshaun I'm Watson taught it. me a lot about this dropping in, dropping out thing. Yeah. Like, he was dead to us as far as trying to get a contract. And then they were able to pull it off. So I, I don't, I don't really buy into teams saying, "Oh, we're not interested," because I think if the price is right, anyone would be interested. One hundred percent. I'm not, I'm not buying that the Cowboys are out of the running. I mean, look, J- Jerry Jones loves bringing in star players, so I think a lot of it's negotiating ploy too. Um, you know, and and you have the executives around the league presenting one narrative, and then you've got what's coming out of whatever may or may not be coming out of DeAndre Hopkins camp right now. Um, I don't think it's a secret or I don't think it's a coincidence that the ask of near Odell Beckham Jr. Money is out there publicly. Um, that's out there with a purpose. But again, if he ends up a Cleveland Brown, it's because he is coming here for what Andrew Barry is willing to pay him. And the impression I get is that Andrew Barry is not inclined to give him Odell Beckham Jr. money right now. Sounds like a plan. All right, let's come back. We'll talk about the defense, which we didn't talk anything about in the first segment. Um, it was a big day in Berea as a mandatory minicamp is underway, and we're talking all about it on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Andy Baskin. I'm Daryl Ryder. Reminder, mobile sports betting is finally legal here in Ohio. That happened in January. BetQL is here to help you make the most informed bets possible. See all of today's winners by heading to BetQL.com or by downloading the BetQL app and claim your free three-day trial today. Head to BetQL.com slash news slash 92.3 The Fan for exclusive sportsbook offers. Daryl, let's switch gears now. Let's talk about the defense. And obviously, when you have a new defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, there's going to be a lot of talk. He is in his honeymoon period, and all the talk is good. Yeah, well, um, it was interesting today. You know, Rodney McLeod played for Schwartz in Philadelphia, won a Super Bowl with the Eagles uh, under Schwartz. Um, that It really stood out when... He talked about how, you know, not only does Schwartz demand excellence, hold people to a, a high standard. He said he could already sense that was happening here, but he used two words that I think were or are critically important to the Browns' success on that side of the football this year, Andy. And that was culture shifter. And those two words certainly caught uh, my attention. Um, and 
you know, the, the fact that players that have been here, including Miles Garrett, have already noticed a bit of a difference with Schwartz in charge. I, I just I, I just think it's all positive. Just seeing the way Schwartz goes about coaching and practice uh, on a regular basis, being exposed to that, seeing him move around drill to drill and his involvement there, uh, him not being afraid, maybe afraid's the wrong word, hesitant, him not being hesitant to step in and get after guys when things are not being the, the done the way he wants them done or to the standard that he expects them to be done is, I don't want to say refreshing, but you, you can see his impact on the field. I Are mean, we talking just technique issues or just like, hey, a little bit of everything, okay. you know, technique, uh, energy, speed, whatever. Right. Uh, and look, I, I've seen coaches get in players uh, backsides during practice before. Um, was he, or was he, uh, you know, but no, I mean, teaching. I'm speaking in general of, of my observations of him to this point, having seen now, uh, Three. I don't have an abacus. Practices. I had to count. Oh, I thought I, you were going to tell me how many defensive coordinators you've seen. No, I uh, I would have to pull up pull up the Daryl Ryder Browns bleep sheet for that. Ah. Um. To 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 give you that information because yeah, my head hurts thinking about that. Um. But yeah, I mean, you can you just you can feel his presence on the field, and you can certainly feel uh, the players respond to him on the field. How about that? Well, you know, and Miles Garrett had to was kind of asked a comparison for Schwartz. So you tell me. Yeah, I, well, I, I was the one to ask him for his oh, okay. impressions of uh, of Schwartz because this is the first time we've gotten to talk to Miles really right. in a long, long time. And I'm going to read the quote to you just because I, I don't want to misquote him. Sure. And I don't want to, and I don't want to risk you know having his words taken out of context he said this quote i think he just helps simplify things and i don't think that's a knock on joe woods right i think you really have to be intent on knowing your personnel trying to tune in what their skill sets and their abilities and capabilities are and if you put too much on somebody's plate rather than someone else's that can lead to disruption and really a disconnection between sometimes groups on the field and I think we saw that early in the season with some of the big misreads that we had on the back end. And I think he's really helped break it down for some of the guys in the back end. And I think he's done the same up front, allowing us really to play free. Studying the playbook while I was gone, it's pretty deep, but it's all still pretty simple, end quote. So I think Miles was trying to do his best to explain the differences between Joe Woods and Jim Schwartz, while easier not, to understand and easier to communicate with each other, is correct. that what we're getting at? Everything is simplified. You're not thinking about if this happens, I got to do this, and if that happens, I need to do that, and if it's you know something else happens, well then I got to go do something else. And and I you know I, I think that that's what Miles was getting at. He was trying not to criticize Joe Woods. But inherently, by explaining the differences, let's be honest about it, Andy, it is a criticism. Like, it explains what the hell right. was going wrong last year. So I am not saying that Garrett was criticizing Joe. Just his his explanation was a very clear painting of the picture of just everything that was going wrong last year. And the fact that now Schwartz coming in 
And look, he's not the first guy to say this this offseason. He's about the 20th, okay? And it's it's just very clear that guys were doing were being required to do too much thinking last year instead of just playing the game. And that led to mistakes being made. Whereas doesn't, this year, doesn't that bother you though, that we went yes. through an entire season with such a simple conceptual change? Yes, it, 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 it does bother me. Um, I will criticize Joe Woods. Miles doesn't have to do that. I'll, I'll I, I got you miles on that. I'll, I'll take care of that for you. Um, yeah, Joe Wood sucked as a defensive coordinator. Yeah, but doesn't it. the Bucks stop with Kevin? I mean, at some point, if we you, you can sit here right now, we can all sit here and say it was too complicated, too complicated. Shouldn't Kevin have stepped in and said, Joe, man, these guys don't get it. We're not understanding it. We're all watching the same film. We have got to change our approach to trying to educate our defense on getting better. Well, why, why do you think that I, not happen? Why do you think I kept saying last year about Kevin Stefanski, you either want to be a head coach or an offensive coordinator? Now, I have talked to uh, both current and former players uh, around the league that have explained to me that it is not uncommon, to be fair to Kevin here, it is not uncommon for the head coach who is an offensive-minded or leaning head coach to leave the defense to the devices of the defensive coordinator. So I want to be fair to Kevin Stefanski here. Um, I get it, but when the problem is communication, that had to be. I I know. And then last year, though, he needed to step in, and he didn't. So this year, what did he do? He went out and hired a guy that now he can really leave the defense to. But he doesn't have to step in for. He doesn't. He does. There, there is no reason for him to step in now. So yes, I, I do feel like last year that was a failing of Kevin Stefanski is that he did not step in. Look. I had many players tell me that they they rarely saw Kevin involved uh, defensively. It was just it was Joe Wood's show. Uh, But again, it was also explained to me that that's not unusual around the league where those offensive minded head coaches leave the defense to do their thing. The problem was Joe Woods apparently was the wrong guy to leave the defense, do their thing for if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Um, Daryl, defensively, anything else that you want to add from uh, uh, the trash talk was epic. Um, policy prohibits me from giving you some quotes. Um, uh, and I'll give I'll do a little inside football for folks because you might okay. be they're listening to the podcast like, well, Daryl, what are you leaving the good stuff out for? Here's yeah, Daryl, what are you leaving the good stuff out for? You can swear, no one cares. Yeah, well, no, it's not about swearing, it's about you know, quote because what's said on the practice field has to stay on the practice field okay. to be fair. I mean, it is a privilege for us to be able to watch these practices and, and see some of the things that we do see, like, you know, if a coach is getting after a guy in practice, right. I mean, it's right. kind of unfair to be, you know, publicizing that. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying, boy, are, you know, and I'm just, well, then that's why I said that it, Jim Schwartz is a pretty tough guy. Can, right. Is but not I'm just saying like quoting things that we're saying it, it that's, that's a, but I, I will say this, the, 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 the trash talk from the defense, especially Juan Thornhill was on point late in practice. I, I will say that it, it was borderline hilarious at times. Now so, I need to know. And you know no. what? We need to take a break. So I'm going to try to dive into it a little <laughs> bit more with you here in a second. It's always game day in Cleveland. It's always game day in Cleveland. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. Okay, so let's kind of take people behind the scenes a little bit at mandatory minicamp. I know you just touched on the trash talking. Is it? But trash talking always seems to come from defense more than it comes from the offense. I think 100%. I yeah, the, so, the offense it normally does comes their from defensive backs going plays. up against wide receivers, right? Yeah, I was I was trying to say uh, the 
the uh, the offense does their trash talking by just making plays. Yeah, like I can't see Nick Chubb ever saying a word to someone that he just dogged and, and no. left flat-footed on the ground. No. The next time Nick Chubb trash talks, I think the earth will stop spinning on its axis. Hell will have frozen over. The apocalypse will be upon us the next time. That That's why I can't believe like Nick Chubb get, get, keeps getting snubbed for the sportsmanship award, and I, I don't get it. Like, there's no better sportsman in the National Football League than Nick Chubb. Dude keeps his mouth shut. He just goes out there and is one of the best players in the game in his position. Doesn't say a word to anybody. I've never seen him spike a football. I've never seen him celebrate a big play. Like he literally does the, you know, does the college thing where he runs into the end zone, he scores the touchdown, he just drops the football and, you know, you know, uh, maybe, you know, when his teammates jump on him, you know, a little bit of that, but then just runs to the sideline. Yeah. I Nick Chubb needs to win the sportsmanship award one of these days, but yeah, most, of, most, if not all of the trash talking in practice is done by defensive players and is usually done by guys playing in the secondary as well. Okay. So let me, let me categorize this without uh, revealing information without getting me in trouble and yeah, without getting you in trouble. Let, let me, let me say this of the categories. Do the categories ever go back to family history? of the opposing player not today not today okay good answer would the uh trash the trash talk would basically be about ability then correct or things that have happened on the field prior plays prior plays current plays what may or may not happen in future plays yes uh uh nostradamus plays Come on, there had to be one line you don't have nope. to attribute it to anybody. Nope. You can nope. just we just laugh about. Nope, can't say and allude to the outside of it. You don't even have to tell. I did. I, I mentioned one of the players who was on his A game when the midseason form. And was everybody laughing, or was it? How did it play uh, the out? defensive players were laughing, and the reporters on the sideline laughed. <laughs> how about the coaching staff? Did they think it was funny? I don't think they were all that. Uh, I don't know if they were amused or just like you know too zoned in, zeroed in. On what was going on. All right. Give me some of the other differences that you noticed about, you know, it's only day one, so I'm not expecting so much, but other things that stood out to you, even if it's just operational systems that seem to be different, because I think as a fan, you want to hear that things are going to get better, that the defense is going to be better. And things like you said in the beginning of the podcast, where, you know, your, your quarterback, Deshaun Watson looked better than you've seen him look as, as a Brown. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that was like the biggest standout for me on uh, during Tuesday's practice was just how good Deshaun and the receivers looked. Because like two weeks ago, I'll be honest with you, Andy, it was a little bit of a struggle bus hmm. for them making plays. And in two weeks' time, we talked about uh, you know during uh, our podcast last week of how much better uh, Deshaun had looked. Like it's been leap, like I would say leaps and bounds the chemistry. Uh, from a few weeks ago to what it is uh, following the, the the first practice of, of many, like Elijah Moore looks fantastic. Hmm. I mean, that, that dude is fast. It, it I, sounds to me though, Daryl, like all the wide receivers look good. Yeah. They, they look good. They, they really do. And that's why it's like, it's a because of reality and B because of just what I see with my own two eyes, I'm just kind of like, yeah, if the Browns get DeAndre Hopkins, great. But if not, okay, like they're fine. 
they're, they're going to be perfectly fine with or or without him. I just I don't have a lot of reservations with this receiver group. I, I think that Elijah Moore is providing a dimension that they didn't have last year, a, a you know, speed threat down the field that can catch anything thrown in his direction. Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's a possession guy. Uh, Amari Cooper can can get down the field and, and make those big plays for you. Uh, I just I feel fine with that group. Um, and if DeAndre Hopkins happens to join the party, great. If not, like I just I I, I don't feel like that the season rests, the fate of this season rests on whether or not they can get Deshaun uh, or DeAndre Hopkins, I should say, to come play with his buddy Deshaun Watson again. I, I just I, I don't I feel that good about what I'm starting to see from this. A group of receivers to where like seeing that growth week to week it is really really positive and I gotta be honest with you Andy like when I when I look at past off seasons usually if the receivers have been crap during like OTAs they're still crap in minicamp and I just I haven't seen that dynamic of a change like I have this year with this group. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. No, I can totally get it. it, it so, it's yeah. I, I just, I don't know how to explain it to folks, but yeah, I mean, from three weeks ago to what we saw Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's night and day and I'm not, I'm not trying to overhype. I'm not trying to oversell. I don't think anyone that knows me that well knows I'm not into overhyping and overselling anything when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. I'm just, I'm keeping it real. Like I, um, I'm not exactly, you know, racing to ask the bosses to reserve me hotel space in February in Las Vegas, but like, yeah, I mean, you have to be fair and give them credit. You can see that the work that they're putting in this off season, like you can see it's, it's paying some dividends in the, uh, you know, in the, uh, practice to practice improvement we see. There will no 11 on 11, right? Did they do 11 on 11? A little 11 on 11, but yeah, a lot of it's, you know, they, like I said, Wednesday's practice is, I think, going to be the, the the money practice because let's be honest about Thursday's practice is everyone's just trying to get their work in and get the hell out of town sure. for summer vacation. So I think that the the real and like you know they were again they were running some stuff in half speed on on Tuesday. So I think Wednesday's going to be the that's going to be the fun practice to to really hone in on and and watch when you talk about extreme competitive spirit if you will daryl i think when you go back and you look at 11 on 11 and then you get to camp um don't you think one of the biggest issues is the sync between the offensive line and sean watson because to me that was one of the things that was a big issue the last six weeks of the season and we saw it in part of one game but i never really saw it work out and i don't I'm not blaming deshaun i'm not blaming the offensive line i just think that offensive line worked pretty well with jacoby Brissett by the time he had to hand over the reins to Deshaun that they were still in sync for Jacoby and right. never really got in sync with Deshaun. Yeah. And I mean, they're already kind of getting in sync with him. And here's the other thing to keep in mind. There's no pads. And this is why I don't get real excited about early in training camp either, because they're not wearing pads. The 11 on 11s are not truly as competitive because they're not in pads. It's impossible to really rate the offense in the defensive line until they get the pads on for a few practices and you've, you've seen them or they, you know, they're on the field in preseason because they're, 
they're working on technique. They're working on hand placement. They're working on their pad placement. You know, where are their shoulders when they come out of their stances and stuff like that, their footwork. And so it, it's really hard to, uh, to evaluate offense and, and defensive lines. But when you look, when you look at the Browns offensive and defensive lines, Andy, they look pretty gosh darn good um, on paper, right? right. They, they, they look great on paper. So it's just it's it's really hard to get a read in that respect. All right, so Daryl, what are we looking at next steps here as far as mandatory minicamp as we wrap things up? Uh, well, again, as I said, Wednesday's practice I think is the money practice. That's that's the one where I'm expecting the highest level of competition between the offense and the defense. And then uh, you know the the Thursday session will be the everyone's just getting out of town and it's time for summer vacation because. Hey, Everybody comes back early, you know, a lot of mini camps for around the NFL. They're next week. Hmm. Uh, the, the Browns are in it basically cut a week of OTA so they could bump up their mandatory mini camp because they have to come back early so that they can go to West Virginia and, uh, you know, get that work in, come home. And then all of a sudden it's hall of fame induction weekend. And they got to play the jets in the hall of fame game, August 3rd. Man, it's going to be here before you know it. He's Daryl Ryder. I'm Andy Baskin. If you like what you're listening to, well, why don't you subscribe to the podcast? Or, of course, you can always like us. We love it. And give us a little bit of feedback, too. We're always big fans of that. And if you want to be a part of the show, you know how to do it. All you have to do is get a hold of us on social media at GameDayCLE on both Instagram and Twitter. For Daryl Ryder and our great producer, Meredith Kane, it's always Game Day in Cleveland.